Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, a podcast coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. In episode 31, the Punchboarders talk about some recent plays, head on over to Clef's for a Kickstarter corner, and review Escape Plan. Hey everybody, I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. Now I'm Richie. Ta-da! Was that like a magic moment? <laughs> I don't know. What episode are we on? Is this? It's thirty-one. Thirty-one. Isn't it? I think last time I said episode thirty-one, but yes, it's actually did. thirty. <laughs> you know, they're starting to become a blur. My I, bad. I, I guess thirty-one isn't really a ta-da number, but well, uh, I mean, no, we're bringing bringing a special podcast. We are so. we are ten <laughs> years after the drinking age. No, right, oh, that's that's not important. <laughs> I, uh, okay, wait. So we haven't. I. I mean, we have not shared this story. I actually want to share it with with Richie because he has still has not heard. You haven't heard about the Trascaria Brazilian Steakhouse. That oh no, I haven't. No, you Ooh, teased okay. it last episode. I, yeah, we did, but we didn't talk to you about it. So you will appreciate this. The, I've never had an experience like this. They, you, you have this. First of all, you have this column right in the center of your table, and you. It's got green on one side and red on the other side and then yellow in the middle. And so you basically turn it up green and people just rush into your tables with these big meat carving things. You want some of this? You want some of this? Yeah, and, and, you, <laughs> and you actually feel like you have to eat it fast. Too, oh, yeah. You're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll take some. And, you know, because they're running around, you're feeling like, okay, I'm going to take some of this. But it, it, it was great. I've never had an experience like that. It was so yeah. amazing. Like they're on big, giant sticks basically like big tall poles right and they just will like here you want some and they cut them and you have to have these tongs and you basically have to grab them so that you can throw them on your plate (laughs) but literally if your thing is on green i mean they are consistently coming to you and yeah i mean i ate way more than i should have (laughs) so then yellow they slow down just a little bit basically the yellow one's in the middle so we didn't know what to do and clef was like i'm enjoying this but i don't know if i can take it anymore (laughs) right so i'm like put it on its side let's see what happens then maybe we'll maybe we'll spin it around and whoever it lands on they've got to go in the closet (laughs) (laughs) spin the bottle with meat is what it is. Oh, okay, boy. now, Clef, you have to go in the closet with the ham. No, <laughs> no but there were so many really oh, good meats. Oh, it, was it was amazing. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. was this uh, on par with Melt as far as not having to eat for the rest of the day? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. It was, it was definitely a lot of food. It was interesting because some of the tastes were a little bit different than what you would normally have. But the great thing about it, obviously, is you could try it and you go, oh, I don't like that. All right, then you just didn't eat any more of it, and you just got something else. So it was, it was a really, really cool place. And, and they had a really nice salad bar, but I wasn't going to waste like all that meat room on too much salad. Yo, I no, mean, I did a little bit because I would I feel a guilty. Little salad. But... I, I like salad. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and our local listener, Michelle, was the one who kind of organized a bunch of us to go out and eat this uh, when we first got to Geekway. So it was, it was a nice, fun experience to meet a bunch of new people and uh, eat a lot of meat. Yeah, I think uh, Beth... Oh, also set that up with Michelle. It was really nice because I think yeah. Beth's done that for the past couple yeah, of years. Right. But yeah. Michelle invited us along and yeah. it was great. Yeah, it was. Uh, so thanks to both of those. And we got to meet some new people there too. It was, it was great. It was, it was really it was, nice. It was wonderful. And I definitely suggest if you're ever in St. Louis, definitely check. I don't know if there are more of these places, other places, um, other cities. but This um, is right in St. Charles area. So Yeah, which is St. Louis to yeah. most people listening to this. Yeah podcast <laughs> well if they're looking for it i'm just saying that's where you would find this place i don't know the name of it but it's good i will tell you another game richie that i think you would like that i played at Geekway because we said we'd talk about some of these plays i really think clef that richie would like 
the great Zimbabwe. I think he would. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> you don't look that confident. No, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> I really liked it. I mean, okay, okay. It is a splatter spelling game, and I know you don't like food chain. I, this I have only had one play, but this could rise to the top of my favorite splatter spellings, though. First okay. of all, one one selling point is it seems like it plays. Once everybody knows what they're doing, it's going to play quicker than most of the splatter spelling games. Yeah, for sure. And it is a it's a logistics and network building game, but it has a lot of cool wrinkles to it. A lot of people have compared it kind of like said that founders of Gloomhaven wanted to be this or it took some mechanisms that are kind of like it because you're you're there's a lot of interconnectedness. Basically, what you're doing is you are. You're trying to get the most points, which ends not, excuse me. You're not trying to get the most points. You're trying to build to a certain set number of points, which will end the game. But you can take these certain technologies uh, to create sort of a tech tree, or you can have your people pray to a certain God. And anytime you take those bonuses that give you special powers, that moves your point marker for what you need to get to win, essentially. So you start out with trying to get 20 points to win, but then you can take these special god powers, and then now you need 25 points to win, or depending on the power, it bumps you up. So, Richie, try to guess how many points I needed to be able to win by the time the game was over. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you the benefit of doubt. One point. No, no, no. <laughs> you can't go, no. It's, it's you go up. Like if oh, you you're take going up. these I gods, gotcha. all of a sudden they give you a cool power, but now it says instead of 20 points to win the game, you need 24 okay, points to win the game. Okay, I was saying that you, needed one, you were only one point away. Yeah. Um, 25 points? Uh, no, I think it was like 28 or 29. <laughs> yeah, it was getting uh, closer. To... Yeah. When Chad and I figured out the scores of this game, we basically did it by who was the furthest away from winning, and I think I was like 24 points away from winning or something. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was bad at this game. <laughs> well, the thing is, and that's what's really cool, is you want all these special abilities, and so you're like, ooh, I could do that. But then you have to go, wait, but can I actually get that many points right. with that power? Yeah. And so what you're doing, again, you're building a network, and – you're not going to be able to go into resources because the way you score points in this game is monuments. You build monuments and you can upgrade those monuments and then they're worth a certain number of points per round. But the thing is, is that you can't, you need resources to build monuments. So if you build one monument, it just takes one resource. That's easy. But if you're upgrading monuments, which is really where the points are at, you're going to need to build, you're going to need to have more resources. So upgrading the first takes two different resources and three. And you can't possibly, well, I suppose you could get all the resources, but you're not usually going to be able to. So then you have to spend cows, which is the currency in this game, to use other people's craftsmen or resources, essentially. And so you get to move so many spots. I think it's three per turn. Uh, you, and so you're yeah. linking these, these little hubs or logistics hubs to different people's or your own resources to build these things. The cool thing is that there's water in the game too. And water just counts as like one continuous path. So there's one God that lets yeah. you have be the king, uh, the, the water God basically. Mm -hmm. And so you can kind of make it rain and create bigger spots of water. The, tough part about that is then you're creating more waterway for other people so are you taking that point deficit and then helping others out you have to yeah. really be strategic about it it's it's a really great game i yeah. i enjoyed it yeah i mean it really honestly is route building is really what it is and trying to figure out how you're going to get those goods to where you are to help you build those monuments yeah when we played a five-player game uh sean uh was one who taught us this game and then we also played with our friends uh, Jeremy and Serge that are here from Omaha. 
And I think Serge ended up winning that game. Yeah, he did. I thought that I might win it, but then he pushed it at the end, and he, yeah. he got there a turn before I did. It was yeah. it was really fun because that, that control, and I think he was maybe the cow god, or one of us was the cow god, where you keep getting an income of cows per turn, too, which helps. Yeah. It was great. I think the god I took, like, I it gave me, like, four more points that I had to win with, and I don't think I used it once. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how bad I played. I definitely try because food chain is the only splatter game that I've played Uh, so and I didn't mind food chain it's just it just wasn't you know at the top of my list so I I definitely want to to give this one a shot so the other one the other really quick thing I'll say is it was really well produced for for a splatter game I thought the art was really on point for what it was trying to do and the uh, the production was higher than pretty much almost all their other games at the same price point that most of their games are, yeah. which is okay. high, I will admit. But, you know, for a boutique, I'm, I'm definitely looking for you uh, to spend the money to get this game. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's, it, if I can find an affordable copy, it'll happen. <laughs> all right. Well, what you want to talk about a game that you played at Geekway? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another game that I talked about last week was uh, The Navigador. This was another old title that I'd never gotten to play that I really enjoyed, and that was Goa. Um, we got a, That was actually our first game of the, the con, and it was, uh, you know, it was me, you, and, and John that we went with, and then we met one of his friends there, Dan, who taught the game. And, you know, I've really been digging auction games here of late, where I just really like the mechanics or the mechanisms of how that auctions work. And this game, once again, has a really cool um, auction in it. Uh, you know, so you're auctioning off the different uh, the tiles that you place out there, that which then get you different, like, plantations and stuff that then help you build, um, you know, get resources, basically, that then you're turning in to do different things. You know, so it's a very Euro-y type of resource management game. But the auction is definitely what makes this game a really exciting game. And like, what are you going to go after? And sometimes you might bid on one, hoping somebody else outbid you so that they spend a little bit more money so then you can get something else. Um, I mean, a fantastic game. I mean, I I, uh, I came back and basically told Richie, yeah, we need to get this game. And uh, our copies are on the way, right? They are on their way from Germany. Okay, yes. perfect. All right, so um, I'm excited about that. And that's the thing. It's it's out of print right now, even though it's had a couple print runs. It's Z-Man and Rudiger, Rudiger Dorn. So, and I think this might be probably not, it's not a heavy game, but he does pretty accessible lighter games, and this might be one of the heavier ones he's done. But the interesting thing, too, is that the tiles, the way they're out on the board, you can only move your, your markers certain spaces from those tiles. So what you can auction is really limited by where people go to. Right, so right. you're thinking about where you want to go and give people the option to auction off. Right, well. which is going to make games different every single time you play them, which is really cool. But like once again, it's it comes down to this. It's very simple rule set of a game, but the strategy is, is huge in it. And that's really what I've just been digging so much here lately. And playing some of these old titles, I... You know, just makes me want to continue to check out some of these other games that I, I've never gotten a chance to play. But yeah, um, definitely. Goa, great game. So, Richie, what have you been playing while you haven't been at the con with us? <laughs> well, one game I played, I actually played it with you. I've, I've played oh, it with, okay. uh, several times since because it's, it's basically a filler. Okay. And that's Res Arcana. Oh, yeah. And that is uh, by Thomas uh, Lehman. So the designer of Race for the Galaxy. And this is just another small card game engine builder. And with this one, it's kind of set in a, a generic fantasy realm, basically. Uh, at the beginning of the game, you get to uh, pick a mage that will be your character, and all that is is like a built-in power that you'll have throughout the game. And then you, everyone gets a deck of eight cards. And at the beginning of the game, you'll draw three of those cards into your hand, 
And those eight cards are all that you'll get for the entire game. And you are going to be using magic items that are out in the middle of the board. And then they also have what they call places of power, which you can buy with these uh, different essences or resources. And on your turn, you're going to be just starting to build your engine. So you're trying to get these artifact cards down to the table, which will have different powers on them, like converting a particular essence to another essence or generating gold, which you can use gold to buy uh, these monument cards out there, which are points. The whole goal of the game is to get to 10 points. It's basically a race to 10 points. So you're trying to do this as quick as possible. And it's good. I, I know it's getting a lot of buzz right now. I wouldn't say, like, I would just rather play Race for the Galaxy. I, I would say that that basically plays in the same amount of time. And it's, it's an engine builder that already has you know a lot of expansions that are supporting it. Mm-hmm. This was fine. I can't really think of anything that was unique about it because all you're doing is putting down the cards. You'll tap the cards on your turn to do the, the uh, action that it provides. And then you keep going until the, everyone passes. You check to see if anyone has 10 points. If no one has 10 points, you rinse and repeat. You keep doing that until someone hits 10 points. Right. So it's not, it's not any quicker then? Sounds like 10 points is quicker than Race for the... I don't, I don't remember what Race for the Galaxy's points are. But. I mean, it is. it will be quicker with new people. Because explaining Race for the Galaxy, especially with the iconography, is tougher. But for people who know how to play Race for the Galaxy, I wouldn't say it's any quicker. Right. It, it, was, it was a game. That's exactly how yeah. I felt when yeah. I got done with it. I was like, okay, it was a game. I had to do some resource conversion. I had to figure mm-hmm. out what cards I needed to try to win the game. And when I got done with it, I was like, yep, okay. And honestly... No real huge desire to try to get, you know, like, oh, boy, I want to play it again. One other quick question. Was there any difference in player interaction with this versus Race for the Galaxy? Well, I had those dragon cards that I was trying to mess with you guys, but it didn't really seem to even bother you guys that much. No, and it's because with the dragons, when you attack with the dragon, so when you tap the dragon, you attack. They have to lose two life essences, which are the green resource. And if you don't have two of the green, you have to lose two other essences which could in- include gold which is definitely the rarest to get and if you don't have anything then it just doesn't hit you but almost all of them allow you to just ignore the attack if you spend a particular resource it depends on the dragon that will change and that we usually had that yeah it, i mean it's really easy to get your resources in this game so yeah i, I never felt like it was very interactive no and i would say like race for a galaxy especially when you get into the expansions where you have like the takeovers and stuff like that I mean, if you're looking for something that's a lot more interactive, a lot more combat or something along those lines, I mean, really just get his other games for the galaxy. I would agree agree with that. Sorry, guys. My throat's a little dry. Let me get a drink of my spring water here. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to say we didn't bring this up last time when he was uh, talking about my Aquafina that I I don't care about the water. But (laughs) 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 he was also eating a gas station sandwich at the same time, which... I, if someone who's drinking spring water, I, I wouldn't think they'd be eating a gas station <laughs> right. sandwich. Oh, I must have clear water from a spring. Uh, but this gas station sandwich that Al gave me when he went down to the river. Is, All right. Uh, what's what's next on the agenda? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on to Clef's Kickstarter Corner. Great song. This is going to be a really quick class Kickstarter corner. I just wanted to mention that June 3rd, so this will be right before this podcast goes out, but June 3rd, the Roxley Games people are releasing a Kickstarter for a new set of Iron Clays. 
it, I don't have all the details, but it looks like a, a much expanded set. Reportedly, this should be maybe enough for 18xx players. So that's worth looking at, I think. Regardless, if you want money in your games and don't have those chips, I definitely take a look at them because they're great, great chips. They did say that they're going to add a 50 chip and a 2K chip or a 2000 chip. It's worth looking into. That's the Iron Clays from Roxley Games. And you can go to ironclays.com as well to look at their website. Yeah, I use them in every single game I play now. So they are great, great chips to use. Yeah, I wouldn't mind if they're a little heavier. Maybe they'll be like a, mm. a stretch goal or something. There mm. were some people that were talking about that. I, I'd like mine to be heavier. They all said they're also smooth, so they're a little bit slick for some of the yeah. other stuff. But regardless, yeah. check it out. It's a nice design, and you can kind of decide for yourself. They might be a little bit lighter than some of the other clay chips. But Yeah, you shuffle them enough, they'll get enough wear. They, then they're not so slick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Let's move on to our feature review of Escape Plan. Okay, really quick, we're going to have a little mini game here, all right? What? You know, just a small little mini game because what did I know did about here... This? I did not know about the mini game. You no. kind of <laughs> know about the mini game. I, I explained it to Richie. Oh. It, it's basically that oh, okay. there are... It, okay, I do know. I missed the production. I didn't, I didn't realize game, that I this was going to be a game. I didn't know it was going to be a game. Well, so I, I, I wrote this intro. I included a few quotes from some movies. See if you can pick out the movies here, okay? All right. Like right when you say the quote or at no, the end? let's say after. <laughs> at the end, okay. <laughs> you just shut up and let me finish. <laughs> All right. Look, guys, someone put a stink in the blue's nose and now the heat's on. I'm not saying you're the dirty bird. I'm just saying you got three days. More than enough time. Get your money and get out. A guy told me one time, don't let yourself get attached to anything you are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around the corner. You might have a little trouble though, Pinky, seeing as how I tipped the FBI off on your crib. Yeah, that's right. I knew it was you. You broke my heart. Look at me. I did this to you. Yeah. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? All right, well... The rest of you, forget about it. Let's go. We got to get. Is this the part where I'm supposed to guess? <laughs> yes. Um, I know I know the one at the end, the the dog one. I just cannot. It's a Quentin Tarantino movie. You're correct. I just don't know the actual well, that name. Should give it, what you just said. Should Mr. Give it Mr. Blonde and Mr. Yep. Pink. And yep. And you even said it in the title. Reservoir Dogs. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yep. Okay. So was was one of them from Goodfellas? No. No. Oh, okay. No. no, that was okay. Uh, well, forget uh, about it. What's that's, that's just that's just <laughs> New York. Yeah, that's, that's just, that's okay. just straight up uh, New York. I was gonna say that's a, something okay. from Casino in there. No, close. There was a there was one from Heat. That was the thirty seconds one. Ugh. Get out. You know. Get I, I haven't seen, seen Heat in a long time. No. Oh man. Or if that's I have, it's been way. I have seen long. it. It's just been and years. Then, Look at me! I did this to you. Is Bronx Tale? Oh yeah, the bar scene. Yeah, yeah with the yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah, it's okay, a classic. all right. So anyway, that's 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 a few of the quotes in there. So I won. I won and, the mini game. I just want to was in there. point that out. Yeah, you did. All right, I'll give it. I'll give it to you. You guys, you guys did miss. We didn't talk me about and you, you Mister Movies. Over. <laughs> yeah, right. You did miss. Uh, uh, I knew it was you. You broke my heart. You know what that's from? Uh, that was that was Fredo. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Does that give me another point? I think we tied now. <laughs> yeah, I would say you probably won then. <laughs> All right. uh, 
so let's talk about the the rule set quickly for Escape Plan. Escape Plan is a game from Vital Lacerda with art from Ian O'Toole, and it is produced by Eagle Griffin Games. It's a one to five player game. I don't remember how many how much they said the time is, but we'll say it goes pretty quick in this one. What you are doing is you are trying to get out of town with the most money, which is also points in the game. You have three days to do so. Every day, a card is going to be flipped to show you which exits are still open in the city because by the third day, you have to get out of that exit. The first person to get out of the exit will pay no money. The second person will have to pay a certain amount and so on, depending on the player count for the game. In addition, after that first person gets out, the rest of the people have to pay $1,000 because the money is in increments of $1,000 per action that they take until they get out, in addition to that bribe that they have to pay to get out of the city. The people are going to be moving around per turn. You get to do one of two things, basically. You will move, which will, which has certain rules that'll trigger on the map. You get to, when you move, you get to visit certain businesses that you are trying to pull your money out of and get end game points or get money to use on various actions. And you are also trying to avoid cops that are on the different grid that you're moving around on. If you cannot avoid those cops through various powers or things that you may have picked up at various businesses, then you will get shot. If you take a certain amount of wounds, it will close down certain spots on your player board, which you may use for endgame scoring points and for additional action cards that you can get throughout the game. You are trying to get out, trying to get those points, and trying to mess each other up by sicking the cops on each other as you go. There's also a notoriety track, which certain actions that are beneficial to you will also, however, gain you more notoriety, alerting the police to you, and causing possible endgame point deficits at the end of the game if, if you make it out. And the notoriety track also determines player order for each day. That's kind of a brief summary. I will say, if you cannot afford to get out at the end of the game, at the end of the third day, you have zero points. You lose the game. To me, there's sort of a clank aspect to it almost, if you're familiar with that board game. But anyway, that's a high-level overview of Escape Plan from Eagle Griffin and Vital Lacerda. All right. Well done. So where are we going to start here? We're going to start off with the good old art and components. All right, let's listen to Chad go on about Ian O'Toole. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, Chad, what do you think about the uh, art here? I, I mean, I, I, I really like the art here. Uh, I, I think that his, because sometimes he does a lot of iconography and his style is a little bit different. I like the way, for example, he draws people in this game. I kind of like that sketch. His color palette, as always, is you know, one of the one of the great things, but everything on the map is really clear. Your movement is based on where you can move from section to section and what specific tiles that you can move to as you're building the board. And I think that's really clear. He's laid it out very well and there's stark contrast between all of them. So I think he really did well with playability. Yeah, excellent. So Richie, what did you think of it? Yeah, I would agree. It's a great art. Eno tool, like from game to game, his style changes and I like that. Because there are some artists where you can definitely tell when you look at it that it's their game. I can't always tell that it's an Ian O'Toole game when I look at it, other than the fact that it's good art. And, and like Chad said, it the um, graphic design, I mean, basically everything is on the board that you need to know, even though the, the player aid that is in there helps. Uh, but overall, great art, great production, uh, as always, from Eagle Griffin. Yeah, I would, you know, that 
you hit something there that I, I totally don't always think about because maybe art is not as big for me as it says for you two. But one thing I'll say about Ian O'Toole, every time I play one of his games, it's once I understand what the iconography is, it's very clear to understand. He does an excellent job with that. And you're right. It's not like every game looks the exact same that he does, which is really a testament to him. Um, and this game, you know, looks good. It's got neat pieces. I mean, the money's cool. I mean, it's an Eagle Griffin game. That's a deluxified, really good Eagle Griffin game. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, top notch, hundred percent. Shall we meet and potatoes this sucker and talk about the actual game? Yeah, let's do it. I don't know. Richie, let's start off with you. What, what was your thoughts on the game? It was good. I don't know like how well it's going to hold up. Uh, my, I would definitely say my favorite part of the game is managing uh, your asset board, uh, which kind of gave me, you know, the same feel as in the galleries where you are putting down those tiles and they'll unlock those different asset tiles that you can get, which will give you different powers that you can use with your executive actions. Um, that is definitely my favorite part of the board. The the actual moving around on the board and going to like the different uh, safe houses and like going to the storage lockers and stuff like that. I just don't know how well that's going to hold up with more and more plays because that that part of it started to feel a little samey for me. But yeah, I don't know. It, it's definitely a lighter Vital game, which honestly does not mean much because I mean, if you are if you're used to his games, it's light. If you're not used to his games, I feel like the rules complexity is a little higher and the setup time is a little higher than what the game gives back, if if that makes any sense. Right. No, I, I understand what you're saying. Chad, what, what did you think of it? Well, so for me, I talked about I talked about Clank a little bit in the rule summary, and it gives me that feeling as far as, you know, it's like if Vital sat down and said, I want to I want to give that feeling with one of my games where you got to get out. You got to figure out if you can get out and you have that tension. And I think most games have that tension. This game has a pressure luck aspect to it because on day three, you can always think of stuff that you want to do. But then you got to wait. You got to look at it and go, oh, my gosh, if I don't get out right now. Is so-and-so going to rush the end game and get out early in the day? And then I'm going to have to pay 1000 for every turn I take. Plus, if I'm the last one to get out, I got to bribe the officials, you know, so much more. So, you know, do I do it? It's a push your luck moment. And you just have to say, am I going to push my luck or am I going to go for it and hope that I have enough points at the end to get out? So it is a very different Vital game from that aspect. I think more than any, he d he likes to design around a theme, but I think more than any game, he's going for an emotion with this one. And I think for me, he gets that emotion. So even though it's not particularly challenging to move around the board, because it moves fast and because there's that moment at, on day three where I'm kind of like, oh, do I want to do this? Do I want to push my luck? Do I want to try to get these these lockers open at the convenience store? Because that's another thing you can do. You're getting bags out of a convenience store, which you have to have these keys that you collect from. You know, it, it's, it's an interesting choice, and I, I like that. To me, it provides something that none of his other games do, and that's that emotional component. So I think for some people who like more Ameritrash games and that sort of stand-up moment and stuff, this might be the one to get them in the door. Do you feel like it's lighter than his other games, like Richie was saying? I think Richie's spot on in what he said. I can totally agree in that, just like most of Vital's other games, it takes setup time, and... Also, that if you're not used to Vital games, it's not that much lighter because 
you know. But it, if you are used to Lisboa and Vinos, it is a lighter game. Yes, I, think. Okay. I do. All right. Well, first time I played this game, I was like, okay, it's pretty cool. I enjoyed it. It was it was entertaining. Played it again. Okay. Played it again. Eh. And by the time I got to about my fifth play, the, I think the fact that it is a little bit lighter of a game where there's not, you're not doing a lot in this game. That sounds really weird, but you're really just trying to avoid police and trying to hop in and trying to get money out. And that really is your main thing. I mean, there's not a lot of other things that are going on in the game, which seems weird because obviously I know that it's still a complex game. But the big thing that I want to talk about, and we can all, you know, kind of discuss this because Chad, you were just talking about the press your luck aspect. So out of the games that I've played uh, three times, and this was in a two-player game and in a five-player game, and then I think it was like in a three-player game. At the end of the game, I did not have enough money to get out. And so at the end of the game, everybody else is adding up their score and go see who wins and everything. And I'm sitting there going, all right, I just played this game for, you know, like the five-player game took like three hours. I just played this game for three hours, and I don't even add up any points, and I just, uh, I guess I'll go off and sit in a corner over there and uh, think of why did I just play that game for three hours. And I'm not sure for a game that you're going to play like that, because, I mean, Clank, you're playing for, you know, 45 minutes or whatever, and, and even in Clank, as long as you get out of the bottom part or whatever, you can still score. You just don't get the bonus points. Where in this game, I mean, you just don't get out. You don't get out. And Chad, you were saying something about, well, you're trying to decide, oh, should I get out if that other person? Well, in that five-player game, uh, person got out, person got out. I was fifth player in this round. You know, person got out, person got out, person got out. It comes to me. It's like, okay, now I owe all this money. I don't have it. Plus, I have to pay $1,000 just to take my turn. And there wasn't even a moment for me to say, ooh, should I get out before somebody else does? Now, you can go back and say, well, I guess in the round before that, you should have planned better and tried to have, you know, better player order. But I don't know. that That is a sticky point with me in this game. Well, see, for me with that, because I've, I've seen that happen, but that, again, is like a little bit higher level play. Because you said there are simpler mechanisms overall in this game, I feel like. But then you look at, okay... Then that second day, you have to be watching player order in a in a larger player count game because you you do have to. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but you do have to try to be able to manipulate that. I guess the one thought that I've had a couple of times while playing this game is I almost wonder if the round that you're playing, you know, like so if you decide to get out, I can still get out that exact same round and not have to pay the money to get out because okay, so you got out, okay, well I ran after you or something, okay, as opposed to like I said, I mean, if we're playing a three-player game and you get out, then Richie gets out, and all of a sudden here I owe ten thousand dollars plus a thousand to get out. Well, just because you guys both jumped out, I don't know if that fits how the game. It just gives, like I said, it just gives me that unsatisfied feeling to not even be able to score at the end of the game because of that. I mean, I can definitely see that in a five-player game. I I have not had that happen to me yet, so I you know I but I I understand like that would suck <laughs> if you've put in a lot of time. And I won't lie, like as far as like Chad said that this may bring in some Ameritrash people, I just don't, I don't know if it would. And this may be colored by the fact that I've just watched eight seasons of Game of Thrones while I've been <laughs> injured, and I finished Red Dead Redemption 2, and in both of those, often violence is the answer to solving problems in both of those worlds. And I feel like if I'm a thug, I've, I've just robbed a bank, why wouldn't I just start shooting people to get out like that? That should be an option rather yeah. than, oh, I can't pay 
my way out? Well, I got a gun, so let's let's go. So maybe Vital expansion. Throw that in there. Richie wants to shoot people in the face. I love it. He, I, I I could always count on Richie for a them, thematic, like bringing up the thematic disconnects. He's like, why can't I shoot people? And why did this damn rice go bad? And I, I do not like this game. No, uh, I, I think we should bring it up real quick. Did you get to play the solo game? By the way, I did. Whew. What did you think of the solo game? It's just too much. It's too much to set up for, especially with a bum knee right now, like <laughs> getting that all set up. And you have two bots, which I hate. I hate bots. I understand that the need for bots, especially in this game, because you even have a bot, you even have Sandra when you are playing a two-player game. Right. Like this feels like a three-player game, maybe a four-player game, but a three-player game primarily uh, is what I would want to play Escape Plan at. Three-player game is where it was at for me. That's where I had the most play counts of this game, and I really enjoyed three because it moved fast enough, and you could plan a little bit more than like a five-player game where, like you said, they can rush it, but uh, it it just didn't keep the game from going on too long, and so three was where it was at for me. Well, I I tried the two-player game, and in the two-player game, you still got to have a bot, and I just... You know, sometimes dummy players, like, say, like a game like Coimbra, you know, where they have the dummy dice. That works perfectly. It's not any extra worry. You know, they're just out there, and you just, you deal with them just normally. But with a bot, it's like, okay, i got to flip over a card. i got to figure out where that's going. i got to figure out how that's going to. And then, quite honestly, then that's more cops because the extra bot counts as another mm-hmm. cop. Yep. And it's almost, like, even harder to play the game because now you have to sometimes deal with four cops when you're leaving a spot, which is tough yeah and i mean and with the solo play not only you have sandra so you have that deck of cards but on top of it and you have those you know her pieces or whatever but on top of it the other bot has i can't remember the name for it but the other bot has a full board that you're having to manage and honestly just by the time i got back to where like i'm taking my turn i've have just lost the connection with my you know, what i was doing right i can see that well so it, we talked a little bit about the mechanisms should we should we move on to the to the replayability Sure. Well, Richie, do you want to elaborate? Because since you kind of talked about replayability a little bit already, what do you, what do you think about this game? Is it is it below average, average, above average? I mean, the like obviously the board is going to be different every time you play, and that would make it seem like the replayability or variability is high or higher. But it honestly, I just feel like I'm doing the same thing every game. I have my escape plan. I need to go to this safe house. I need to go to this safe house if I can get to it. I might not be able to get to it because there you know, might be cops everywhere. I might be taking too many wounds. Uh, but you're basically you're just moving, trying to avoid cops, trying to get your cube down. And even though <laughs> there are a lot of rules in this game, it just does not feel like much is going on. It's just it, it, it feels like it's missing something, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be exactly what Richie just said. I, I do not feel like there's a lot of variability in this game. You really are. I mean, your say your uh, whatever your card that you get at the beginning of the game that tells you where you make your money and not, that's that's not variable. I mean, it's just okay. Now I'm just going for this safe house compared to this one, but it really still doesn't do anything different in the game. I didn't playing game one compared to game five. Nothing different in the game for me. What I where I feel like the variability is, and I feel like it's average, but I feel like it's good for me for this game is the contact cards. The contact cards go on your player board. You can get those at certain locations and then you get end game points for these contact cards. You you usually have to pay something or gain a notoriety to use these contact cards, but they're powers. And then you can 
the other thing that you can do instead of move around the board is you can flip them back over. You can rest, basically, which means you get to heal a wound. You can flip stuff back over, essentially. Uh, so it's like you're using a turn during your, your day to, to do that. But you can refresh and get those powers back. And so sometimes getting certain combinations of contact cards can be really, really fun and really good in the game to find those synergies. I had a couple where I was getting income every time I used those. And if your income on, the, on your player board income track is still pretty high, you can amass a lot of money, which allows you to A, stockpile to get out, or B, buy a bunch of different stuff to help you evade the, the cops. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think I think we talked about it as much as, as we're probably going to talk about it. So let's we'll let Richie give our our rating scale and then we'll give our final scores, gentlemen. Sounds good. All right. So on Punchboard Paradise, we rate on a six point scale: a one being a game that makes you miserable, and a six being a game that could make your top ten of all time. Clef, where are you at, buddy? Starting with me. Okay. Well. This is not a bad game uh, by any length of imagination. It's got some cool things in it. And like I said, the first couple of times I played it, it, it was kind of an enjoyable thing. But as I continued to play it and the whole, the, the variability just not very much there for me. So I feel like I'm kind of playing the same game. Um, and then the fact that even with some planning, I feel like you still can get screwed where you can play a three hour game and not even score points. I just, I'm not sure that that's the game that I want to play of a Lacerda game. You know, I mean, I want to play a game where, you know, I'm I'm using different, like the Gallers or whatever. You know, I, I don't want to talk about other games. But for me, I'm going to obviously compare a Lacerda game to other Lacerda games. So this one just doesn't quite live up to what I'm looking for in a Lacerda game. Um, so that being said, I'm going to put this at a three. You know, it's a game. I mean, if somebody really said, hey, I really want to play this game, I'm not going to like say no if, if there's no other options. But then again, when we were at Geekway and I had an opportunity and somebody said, hey, you want to play it? You know, I hit the hill, you know, I hit the hit the hills. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I hit the road and said, you know, no, nah, I'm going to go find something else because it's just not a game that I am looking very much looking to play. Well, in all fairness, I think that's because food was on your escape plan at that time. We had, <laughs> well, we had played 18xx for a good five or six hours. That, at that, point. that is true. But I mean, but still, but if you'd have been like, hey, let's play brass, you know, I'd have been like, screw food. Let's play brass. You right. know, so um, I yeah. So I, I feel like three is is right where it should be. I'm not miserable. And I've had some experiences with this that, you know, are have some cool things. Yeah. So three solid three, you know, right in the okay. middle of a three. All right, well, I'll go next. I'm going to save Chad for last. So I've enjoyed my plays of the game. It's not like I you know, actively dislike the game, but kind of like Clef was saying, it, it just kind of feels a little samey as I've been going. And honestly, I'm, I'm now, after this and Blackout, just Euro designers, just stick to the, the boring guys on the cover. And Heck yeah. I'm, I'm now, I've turned. Thank you. The, these <laughs> These covers are these covers and themes are getting me way too excited. I feel so lonely right now. <laughs> oh, that beautiful Navigador yes. cover. Yeah. I mean, that's what I that need. Yeah, for Euros, that's, that's what I want. Yeah. I, I know where to go get my Ameritrash <laughs> fix. When you guys agree, I get shivers. <laughs> um, but it's good. I would say it's definitely worth a play. I personally, I don't think I would ever buy it just because the two-player, you got to have a bot, and the solo, I mean, you're going to spend most of your time setting up the game and then, you know, just running bots so it's it's just not a game for me uh, so it does fall down to the three for me as well all right chad bring us home so first i'm going to say that uh, you guys have valid complaints like i i think that everybody should listen to how you how you feel the fact that i disagree with you doesn't mean that i 
don't disagree with your points. Right. In other words, I think that you just may not enjoy a game where I think three hours is long, even at five players. But if everybody, if there are a lot of new players that that might happen, I do think that this game speeds up. Once you have like three players that know it, it can be in under an hour and a half, maybe even get it down to an hour. Yeah, but say our our three player game was fast. I've, I haven't had a, like a super long, but I also have I'd never played it at five either. Yeah, so so that can happen. But I think like if you have three players that you'd like to play this with and you like Vital Lacerda, it's definitely a game you should try. That's what I would say. And again, like I said, this gives me sor- sort of an emotion, you know, where everybody's kind of when I've played it, everybody's kind of chatting. Are you going to get get? Are you going to get out? What are you going to do? You know, kind of talking to everybody and around the table, and it provides that tension near the third day, which is which is interesting to me, and I, and I dig that. You know, I will say, like Richie said, if you don't, if you haven't played a Lacerda game, it's not that light. For instance, my son has been begging me. He's nine. He's been begging me to try this with him, and I just think that <laughs> once I start teaching it to him, he's just going to be like, okay, what you know, just I want to get money, and right. you know, he won't have the attention span to go through all that stuff. So it definitely, you, you definitely have to have some some games under your belt to play this I feel like but that being said based on our rating scale for me I'm going to give this a five because I I still see it I'm glad I have it in my collection and I will pull it out for the exact right moments uh, at a three-player game and trying to get that emotional feel I will it's going to be on my top 10 at the end of the year so in that respect I have to give it a five well the good news is when we draft our 2019 games, you'll have it all to yourself. All right. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, to sum it up, we've got a three from Clef, a three from Richie, because they agree in some really weird and disgusting <laughs> ways, and a five from me. Let's move on to the BGG Top 100 Next 10 Countdown. Yeah, I think this is now becoming a uh, a fan favorite. Lots of people are saying how much they like this. So we're when we get down to number one after we finish here, we're going to figure out something else we can do with this. Something else, we'll figure it out. So you guys ready here? Number fifty, Fields of Arl. All right. Well, this is Fields of Arl from Z Man and Uva Rosenberg. A little bit of a one, two, or with the expansion three player game. Richie, what do you think about this one? I know you've played it. Yeah, and I, I still own it, and we need to play. So I know we've all played it. We, we need to play the three-player version with the expansion with this, because yeah, I do want to try we sh- that. We should definitely get Josh uh, for you guys to play that. <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. Uh, I think that already says how Clef feels about it. Uh, you don't know. It, it's fine. It's, it's a Rosenberg game. I mean, that's what it feels like to me. It, but it is a Rosenberg game, for yeah, sure. That it is true. definitely is in you know his wheelhouse as far as all of his other designs. And honestly, I know it is relatively low interaction, and that's one of the things you dislike about it, but it is one of my favorites, if not my favorite, Rosenberg game. I just really like the tech tree in it, where you can make your actions more powerful. That's kind of fun. And then you have that that division between summer and winter actions that you're kind of having to do there. And it just really feels like there are a lot of different strategies to try in that game, and then, you, you know, that they're all balanced. So I, I, I like that. Uh, it's it is low interaction, but I like sometimes when I just feel like getting my strategy on and just trying something. If you like Rosenberg games, you should definitely give it a try. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's it's there in that realm. All right, moving on to the next one. Number 49 is going to be Dominant Species. Oh, Dominant Species is from GMT Games, and Chad Jensen is the designer on this one. Cluster. I've played it one time. Um, uh, Scott Fish uh, showed it to me. Mean. Yeah, you like want to talk mean. about player interaction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a, I want to play it more. I don't have a copy of it, so it's definitely one that I really should pick up because it is in my wheelhouse. Richie, I mean, have you played this? I have not. I oh, have not. I think Richie would love it. Yeah. we got to get a play in of this <laughs> game. Right. And yeah. I think it play. you got to own it? Yeah, I own oh, okay. it. Okay, good. So, and it's it's got a time investment to it, but it will play better at higher player counts. Like four, I think, is a good spot yeah. for it okay. um, because it is area control but the cards you have to know going into it that the cards are really important because those cards can do some mean stuff like he said and you just have to be ready for that this is one of those games where you have to be okay with somebody just totally scuppering all the stuff that you try to do basically based on a, on some of those cards but you, again you have to know that those are coming out and it is worker placement and the actions kind of go down in a certain order and each species has a different player power essentially as well it's it's a fun game there's a time investment involved and it yeah, is and that's, I would say that's what um, when I first got into the hobby I did see it and I looked into it but the time kind of you know I shied away from it but yeah I definitely want to try it out though yeah, the one thing I will say about it is calculating your species for each region at the end of each round is a little bit fiddly. And yeah. that is one of the valid criticisms of it. Moving on to number 48, a classic, Kalis. Kalis is from publisher Ustari Games, among others, and it is designer William Atia, who hasn't really done a lot, but he did do the, uh, oh, what was that game with the cards that you have that you lay out um, um solitaire you get no you get you put, your, <laughs> put your man you put your man in between the cards and you get the oh resources. uh Spirium. yes thank you Spirium. oh that's one of his other games yeah I like he that hasn't game. done a lot but okay. yeah uh so you have kalis talk about kalis oh boy this is you know this is one of my top probably 20 25 games of all time talk about a beautiful cover art oh man <laughs> that Oh, I just, he's beautiful. <laughs> the grumpy, <laughs> Whatever, grumpy, grumpy uh, guy on the front. Uh, but, oh, talk about a great game and great player interaction from a Euro game that you wouldn't expect. But, boy, moving that uh, bailiff and moving provost. In the provost guy around. Oh, you can really cat and mouse of, oh, boy, if I do this, will they do that? And I'll go to that building. So will they give me that? Or so, so, so great. I, I love this game. Have is you it, got to play? I have not. You're going to have to teach what? me this one. Yeah. Oh, my and God. I, Richie, this is on the for sure play. I know what? about it, but I haven't played it either. What? So Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry, guys. I would yeah, say because you should rate it a nine on BGG here. Oh, my God. Yeah. And you, not, yeah. You have not taught us at all. Oh, my. I, keeping all this to yourself. <laughs> guys, uh, we're going to stop the podcast right here. <laughs> and we're going to play Galus. Uh so is it worker placement? Um, yes, it is definitely worker placement. It has the unique where you, when you're placing the workers, you have to pay a dollar every time that you place a worker out on a building. So you have a money management and then you also have these buildings where, as I was just talking about the provost, if the provost is, you know, beyond where you've put your worker, then you get to get those resources. But if you get to where that provost is, you know, where he's not beyond where your building is, I'm saying this terribly, then you don't get those workers. So there's that great interaction there. And then, honestly, at that point, then it's just a bunch of resource conversion where you're just getting a bunch of cubes and you're trying to build up parts in the castle. And then there's this favor track that you also can do to get these favors that then kind of make the game go along. This is, I mean, 
if you like Euro-E, good resource conversion, interactive games, this is a must-play. I mean, I, I cannot believe you guys haven't played this. I feel terrible. <laughs> you should. As you should. All right. Well, let's move on. So I can <laughs> stop feeling terrible. All right. Number 47 is, hey, we just talked earlier about this, gentlemen. Yep. Uh, this is Race for the Galaxy. Ah, yes. Race for the Galaxy from Tom Lehman and Rio Grande Games. And this is a game that I actually... It's in my top 25. I have played it hundreds of times because I have the app and I play it online. I do not own a physical copy of it. And honestly, with the app, I don't know if I ever will own a physical copy of it because the app is so good. Hmm. I've only ever played the physical copy. I, I don't play apps very much. So I've. Uh, it's, it's a great game. I hate teaching it, so I don't play it probably as much as maybe I used to. But the other day when we were at Geekway, uh, John was teaching a few other people to play it. And I was like, eh. I kind of have a hankering to get it back out, so mm. maybe we should do that. Yeah, I wanted to get in on that play, so I'd, I'd be happy to play. I've only played the digital uh, version as well, and not very many times, but it's my sort of thing. I mean, I, based on, on I, I would pick this over Roll, but, you know, that's just me. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you. And I mean, it's uh, if you've ever played San Juan, it has the same kind of feel where you're using cards to pay for, to play cards, uh, just a little bit more more complex than like a San Juan would have been, but yeah, it's a great game. All right. Next is number 46 Keyflower. Hey, Keyflower is from Richard Breeze and Sebastian Bleasdale and publisher is R and D and hook games. So yes, I've played it. I'm assuming you both. Yeah. Have. I mean, we've all played it together. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Uh, whew, talk about a fun auction game. I think there was one point where I tried to say this wasn't an auction game. Just go ignore that stupid. <laughs> <part of me. laughs> I would like to point out, you know, the, the, one of the great things about Keyflower to me is it has just the right blend of mechanisms together. So the tile laying, which plays into the pickup and deliver aspect, and then the auction that you're using to get the tile and a little bit of the worker placement, just all those things together are really nice melange of, me of mechanisms. And it, it's my favorite key game for sure. Yeah, I, I would say this is a three-player game. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Maybe four if everybody knows what they're doing, but even then, three. Uh, you still say, I'm going to say three also. A and one of the reasons, not just playtime, but one of the reasons our, our friend Bryce likes to mention, and I can't disagree with him, is that you could use other people's tiles. However, it plays up to six, and if you have a bunch of people around the table playing with six, you can see that it, you can't even see the tiles, so you don't know what people have. So it's just kind of crazy. Yeah. No, I no way I'd ever play this at six. No, never. If I'm going to do that, I'm going to play Key Flow if I'm going to play a game yes. like this. Yeah. I'm going to play it at six. And yeah. I, I still have it in my copy. I know I kind of threatened, threatened Key Flow a little bit during the Key Flow review. That's right, you did, yeah. Still in my collection, but it still has not hit the table. And it's just a game that I'd, it never comes out. Even though I enjoy it, even though everyone enjoys it, right. it never hits the table. So... My challenge that I have where I want to play my top 50 games at least twice this year, I have three games that have still gotten played zero times so far, and that's one of them. And it's not like I've even come close to saying, hey, let's pull that out. Right. I don't I, get yeah. If you mentioned it, though, I'd be like, yep, let's right. do it. Right, but it's just one of those things that it just doesn't get brought up when you're ready to play a game, and, and I don't know why that is because I, I know I enjoy it. Well, it, for, for our listeners, if you haven't checked that one out, I would strongly recommend it. Yeah, especially if you like any type of auction type of games. All right, next is going to be ooh, the one of the 
first drafting games that uh, ever was out there that kind of got people into drafting was Seven Wonders. Yes, and this is from designer Antoine Bauza and Repros Production Games. Um, I've played it. I've played every single expansion. I've played it at... <laughs> three players to seven players to uh, I just played it the other day we taught some new people it and we played a five player just base game you know it's probably past me wanting to play it I mean that was kind of a that was the only option we really had type of thing but still a very solid game I owned it I owned oh. most of the expansions uh-huh. and I sold it and I have never played Seven oh Wonders. my goodness I'm surprised that you never, <laughs> never played, played it. it no it is it's one of those where I I bought it because you know everyone says that's uh, you know a good gateway game so I bought it just you know sight unseen when I uh, got into the hobby and other gateway games I played first those are the ones that the wife liked and the, our friends at the time liked and this just sat on the shelf and then eventually I sold it when I got into other drafting games well so. and, and- Two players, it does not shine in. Whether no. I mean, Rado can say what he wants to. This does no. not shine at two players, and so you're playing most of yours. I had the fortunate that not only my wife enjoyed it, but my eldest son Mason enjoyed it. So I got to play a lot of three-player games mm-hmm. of it back in the day. Which is my favorite player count with that game, honestly, because you're going to see more cards, and you affect all the people at the table. Because usually in that game, you just affect you're concerned about the people to the left or the right of you. And in a three player game, obviously that's everybody. So I kind of, I kind of like three players for that reason. Um, I will still say seven wonders duel is even though it's a two player, so it's hard to compare them, but I, I much prefer to play that. But again, I'm not huge into just pure drafting games. I will say though, I don't, I don't see it as a great gateway game because there's so much iconography to keep track of that. I think it can turn some people at least off. So still a good a good game though. All right, number forty four, Clans of Caledonia. Clans of Caledonia is from Karma Games and designer Juma Aljuju. Can you say that designer name again? Juma Aljuju. Ooh. All right, Chad. What do you what do you you've obviously you've played this, Richie? You've played it. What do you guys yep. think? This is another one of those uh, like Gaia Project that I don't think I've ever won actually. And I really, I like it. But if you give me the choice between the two, I much prefer Gaia Project. Uh, again, they're not all that similar, but to me, the feel is similar. Yeah, similar type of, yeah, what you're doing in a way. A lot was taken from Terra Mystica in this, definitely. You can see that. But yeah, uh, yeah I definitely enjoy this more than I enjoy Terra Mystica. And I mean, I like Gaia Project, um, but I don't, I would say of those three, this would be more in my wheelhouse of games. I don't mind Guy Project. I own Guy Project. I, I like it, but it's not like I'm always trying to get that to the table. Mm. Well, Richie and I are agreeing again, so watch out, Chad. <laughs> uh, definitely. I mean, it, for me, it goes Terramiska, Gaia, and then then this is my number one. I mean, this isn't my top ten of all time. I just love the feel of this game every time I play it. The I, I think the, the mechanism I love the most is the getting the contracts, where in the first round they give you money, in the second round, it doesn't cost anything. And then as it goes along, then they start to cost you know m- more money and more money. And I love that figuring out in my head of how am I going to get that contract done so I can get to this contract. So when it's this, is just so wonderful and how well balanced the game is. I mean, this, like I said, it's a top 10 game of all time for me. And if you like Terra Mystica or you like Gaia Project and you have not played Clowns of Caledonia, you need to stop, pause this recording right now, and go play Clowns of Caledonia. One thing it does add that's different from Gaia Project, I will say, that is once you learn it, is 
is interesting is the variable market where people can influence that market. Once you get good at that game and you can mess with people yeah. because you can you can move their goods up on the market that they're going to need to buy and make it more costly. And it, and it doesn't mean not quite to the degree of the Voyages of Marco Polo with the player powers, but certainly the player powers are extremely good and you know it's always you look at somebody else and you go oh my goodness you know and then you look at somebody else's oh my god that's good and once again whew, another thing that i just love about games uh, that variable player power so that's right there too i'm looking forward to uh expansions coming yeah let's say I, I thought oh. they had announced an expansion a yeah. while ago but i haven't heard anything else about i know it. he's if he's if it's not ready to go i know he's working on it because i'm part of that newsletter and that's definitely what i'm looking forward to all right, number 43, Android Netrunner. Well, I've played this game so many times, I, <laughs> I don't even know what this game is. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, this is a game from the designer giant Richard Garfield and Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, they have stopped releasing stuff for this, I think. They mm -hmm. kind of discontinued it just recently. Yep. It is a living card game, right? Yes. Uh, and yeah. and yep. so, uh, but it's a, it's a two-player. It's, it's head-to-head. Uh, and they're very asymmetrical factions. You've got the, I think, the hacker, basically, and the corporation. Yeah, and the corporation, yep. I have never played it. I've always been interested in it, but I've, I've never played it. And again, this is billed as a lifestyle game, so I feel like you fall down a rabbit hole and you commit to it or you don't. So, yes. like, magic? And the way like the magic is? Or... Ba basically, except it, since it's a living card game, it's that enclosed set. So... When you go like buy a set, you're getting every card. You're, okay, you're not there. trying to buy booster packs to get different cards. Right. Okay. And I've played it one time, and Ooh, okay. it was enjoyable, but it's almost kind of like, um, what was that game where we played the Five Rings, Legend of the Five Rings? It's like that where, but it's <sighs> worse in the sense that, like when you read the rule book, like the, you have like your R&D, which is your deck, which I would just, just call it the deck. Like you go, through the, you go through the rule book, and they have all these terms for other things that or for oh, so basic instead of just things calling that, it deck, it's yeah. some special thing. Okay. It's just yeah. a pain. You have to learn a whole new language mm, that just is, to, to play the game. And that is the biggest problem. Yeah, I it's agree. definitely a hurdle. And I like I said, it, it, it's enjoyable. I know a lot of people enjoy it, but it is definitely a lifestyle game. So if you're playing that, you're you're playing it. I, I kind of, you know, I, I enjoyed Legend of the Five Rings, but I, I'm worried now because I think every time that game is going to be brought up or talked about, Richie's going to have an instant pain in his knee. <laughs> <laughs> so he's never going to play with me again because... That's when he hurt his knee that night. So I just, it's going to be yeah, like a automatic Yeah, I'm going to think the same thing. So, yep. All right. <laughs> all right. Now, number 42. Uh, again, we just talked about just a second ago, The Voyages of Marco Polo. All right. This is a game from Z-Man Games, and it is designed by Simone Luciani and da Danielle Tashini. Uh, so this is probably one of our universal, all three of us love this game. We all love the player powers. This would all be our number one variable player power. It's awesome. I mean, I don't know what else, what else to say really about it. It's it's dice drafting. If you don't know about it, it's dice drafting with huge game-breaking player powers. Yeah. And it is just, it's a medium-weight game. It hits the sweet spot for all of us. I think all of us, anytime somebody wants to play this game, all three of us are going to be hopping in. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It's in my top three, and yeah, anytime someone wants to play it, I'm up for it. So Ooh, that last time we played, you throttled me. Oh yeah, that was good. Oh <laughs> man, I don't know about being good. All right, and finally, for the last one, we're going to talk about here uh, for this top ten is Robinson Caruso Adventures on Cursed Island. This is from Ignacy Trevichek and Portal Games. Uh, this is a co-op game. Is that correct? 
Yep, that uh, is correct. Okay, anybody out there want to guess if I play it? <laughs> no. I, I can see someone trying to convince you to play this one. Um, have you played it, Richie? I have played it. Okay. It is, I mean, it's extremely hard. Uh, and the rule book is terrible, which is kind of a given since it's a portal game. And even the, they uh, re-released it, and the whole thing was that the rule book was going to be better. Not much better. So I, I do not own this game anymore. I sold it because it, it just, it's a headache to get into as far as the rules go and explaining it to people. And if you have any questions, you, you're going to end up having to go to BGG to get them answered. But I, I know a lot of people enjoy it, but it was not for me. I have not played this game, but I, I have seen a lot of it. Uh, the, the draw is it's a worker placement game, heavy on the story. So, and first, first Mars mission or first 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 martians first martians thank you first martians is a re-implementation of the the system but basically it's like if a snake bites you somewhere in the game that a card kind of goes in the deck and it comes back to literally bite you later essentially and so there's this kind of storytelling persistent element that people tend to like in there mixed with the worker placement mechanism that seems to be decent but again i've heard barrier to entry because of the rules is a real problem Hmm. Okay. Well, that completes uh, the this segment of that. So, Richie, let's start with you. How many of these 10 had you played, and what is your favorite? Okay, so I've played 7 out of the 10, and this one's pretty easy since it is in my top three. That would be Voyages of Marco Polo. That's a good pick. I struggle to come up with something different. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to kind of choose between, I think, Voyages or Arl, but gosh, Keyflower is so good, too. Just because I'm picking something different, I'd probably go with Voyages, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Arl. And how many have you played? You didn't do your oh, seven. Sorry. Seven. All right. So I've got eight. Uh, only two I didn't have was that Android Netrunner and that uh, Robinson Crusoe game. So yeah, big shockers. And uh, this is, I mean, whoa, talk about close. I really honestly think in my top ten, it goes. You know, if I'm going down, it goes Voyages of Marco Polo. And then my very next game is Clans of Caledonia. So I'm going to go Clans of Caledonia, um, but it's ooh, close. And, but not to mention, I mean, Keyflower's in there. I mean, there's some great, great games in this. And Kalos, oh boy. Yeah, this is a great, this is a great 10. Yeah. yeah. I would strongly suggest people checking some of these out if they yeah, haven't. Definitely. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to us this week. We will be back again soon with a another draft coming up that is going to be our draft of stock holding games so stay tuned for that one we want to say we really appreciate you and please if you haven't yet send us an email to ask us any questions for our mailbag if you like at punchboarderparadise at gmail.com that will also help you get on the Slack chat if you'd like to do that. You can check us out on our Facebook group at Punchboard Paradise. We're at Punchboarders on Twitter and Punchboard Paradise on Instagram. All right, that sounds great, everybody. Well, hey, everybody, thanks a lot for listening. Have a great day. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening.